This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to The Treatment Room with Tess and Lauren, the podcast by estheticians, for estheticians, and those who seek to learn about their own skin from a professional's perspective. We're diving into our whys as licensed skincare therapists, sharing in our career journeys, and separating the gimmicks from the real heroes in skincare. Welcome to The Treatment Room. Hi guys, this is Tess and you're listening to The Treatment Room. So Lauren and I have decided to record solo episodes so you guys can get to know us on an individual basis and have an understanding of what brought us into this whole world of aesthetics. So we'll be telling our stories. They're very different and what I think is so incredible about this career is that people find it at such different stages in their lives. And it's such a diverse group of people. Some people go to beauty school just out of high school. They always know it's what they want to do. Some people might find it a little bit later in life and it might be a second career for you or a third. It's just such a such a range, but it really is it really is something special and it's one of the only jobs where you're truly licensed to physically touch another human and I think there's so much power and potential in that. So today I'll be diving into my whole story. I want to separate this into two episodes. So the first half is going to be everything that happened before I found aesthetics. So may be interesting to some of you, may not be, you're more than welcome to just pick up at episode two if that's what interests you. But I think what I really seek to do in telling this whole first half of my story is reassure you guys that it is okay to try things. I think we live in this era of LinkedIn and sharing all of our accolades on social media, and that's amazing, but it it can certainly be just a bit of a highlight reel. And it's really easy to look sideways and look at what everyone else is doing. And it's girls and guys. I think it's it's really affecting people on a deeper level than we even realize, just comparing ourselves to others and feeling like we're behind when really it's just comparing different chapters in your lives. So I just want to reassure you guys, it's okay to try things. Life is long and whatever job you choose, you might be there for for a while. So I really do hope it's something that you look forward to and Mondays aren't something you dread. I know Gary Vee says this all the time and I really love it. Make Mondays your, your Fridays. I hope you guys wake up excited and that excitement stays with you throughout your career. And if you if you haven't found it, I want you to know it's okay to try something else. So that's what I hope to tell you guys in telling you 
my whole career story. A couple other things I will be highlighting in this episode are the art of the informational interview and how I went about seeking my dream job. So I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that, how you actually go about the whole process of getting your dream job and nailing it down. I also want to talk about interests versus passion and finding something that is deeply fulfilling and gives you a higher sense of purpose. But I will just dive into my career story and why I traded red carpets working at different film festivals and glamorous Hollywood events for working one-on-one with people and why that's something I don't I don't regret my my previous job experiences. I think they've all lent something even though they're complete they're completely different career fields, but I think each job you have truly does teach you something and I don't think the mentality it's about having the mentality of feeling like you've wasted time. That is something I, I definitely struggled with in making the transition. And I know a lot of you have found me because you do relate to this idea of trying something else. And I want to encourage that if you're not truly happy. So I'm going to start from the very beginning. And for me, where it really started was actually magazines. From a super young age, I was obsessed with magazines. We didn't actually have, you know, growing up in the 90s, we didn't have YouTube tutorials and we didn't have Instagram. So for me, magazines were really it. And when a magazine would arrive on my doorstep, whether it was Cosmo Girl or Teen Vogue, I was so excited. I remember it came in that plastic sleeve and I would pick it up and take it to my room and just sit on my bed, close my door, and that was like my little me time. And I just loved everything about it. I loved the the fashion, the styling, the photography, the articles, and I really, really loved the beauty aspects. Anything having to do with beauty, I really loved reading. And I think I've always just had this really keen interest in really beautiful things. I think throughout my career, aesthetics and and beauty and, and visuals has always been a really key player. And I've always been really creatively driven. So for me, I was just never going to be an accountant or a doctor or a lawyer. It just, it has to be something visually interesting for me. And I really like to see how things play out. So now for me, something that really drives me is seeing differences in my client's skin. I want to know that I'm bringing about a positive change for their skin. And luckily enough, it, it, aesthetics can really bring about some amazing internal changes as well. But back to my story, I was always really, really interested in magazines. And I do remember when I was younger, this one article I came across And my name is Tess. Not a lot of kids had the name Tess growing up. I remember I'd go to the gas stations and look for my name on those little keychains, and I could never find my name. 
So I'm going through this magazine. I remember it was Teen Vogue. And I came across this article. It was about this girl named Tess. And she actually looked a lot like me. And she had actually created her own line of skincare products. And I've always just had a really big interest in product. And now as an esthetician, it's something that really influences your results with clients, their home care. But I've always been really, really interested in product. So this girl, Tess, she'd started her own line creating organic beauty products in her bathroom. And I think I was just really struck by that and really amazed that a kid could manifest a physical product. I We didn't have Shark Tank, nothing like that. And it was just, I didn't even know it was within the realm of possibility. So I really remember that article. And I remember just thinking, wow, this person had the ability to actually create something for people that's going to change their skin. And I don't know why, I never forgot that. She, she looks so much like me and I thought it was just too much of a coincidence. So I never forgot that article and my obsession with magazines continued to play out throughout middle school and high school and it was something I just always looked to. I thought, wow, if I could have my name on a masthead in a magazine, like that'll be it. That'll be when... I'm succeeding. That'll be when I'm truly, truly happy. So as I graduated from high school, I started to look at colleges. I'd always been really into school, like very into school, loved school, loved learning, and writing was always kind of my thing. I feel like growing up, every everyone kind of has that one thing. And a lot of times we're told, this is what you're good at. You know, this is what you are and this is what you'll become. So for me, I was always told I was a really good writer and a really good storyteller. Math and science, not really my thing. But my mom was actually a high school English teacher growing up. So she would take me to the library every weekend. She would read to me every night growing up. So I was always surrounded by stories and storytelling. And that continues to be a big influence in my life. I just clearly, I love to, <laughs> to tell stories, whether I'm writing or sharing on YouTube or doing podcasts. It's just a part of me. And I love to do it. So graduating high school, I, I, I thought my destiny is to become a writer. It's just my thing. So looking at colleges, I looked at all of the writing programs and eventually I stumbled upon this college, Chapman University. It was in Orange County, California. And growing up in Northern California, my mom and stepdad, we would go on road trips in our RV and we would drive down to Malibu. The first time I got to Southern California, I just couldn't even believe I'd grown up anywhere else my entire life. It was just somewhere that really resonated with me. I really love the ocean. And driving down PCH, I was just really, really struck by that. So... I always had that in the back of my mind. And when I was looking at schools, I just kind of knew I wanted to be in Southern California. 
So I found this school, Chapman University. My best friend from high school was actually looking at it as well, and we decided to go there at the same time. So that was really incredible. I had that support. And I was looking through the whole entire list of majors, and I saw this one called Creative Writing, and I just thought, I love to be creative. I love to write. This seems perfect. I looked into writers at publications and magazines that I respected and that I would want to work at, and I looked at their stories and how they got to be where they were. And a lot of them had been creative writing majors. So I decided that would be it. That would be my path. And that's how I would become a magazine writer, a beauty writer. So I enrolled in this major. And it was, I will say, it was funded a little bit differently at Chapman than a lot of the majors like business or accounting or the film school, which is really well known at Chapman. The creative writing department was really small. And this program included poetry, nonfiction, journalism. It was a really great immersive experience in writing. But one thing that we didn't really focus on was the kind of job you would get graduating with this major. And I think like a lot of people, as soon as I got to graduation time, I really started to panic. And I started to realize a lot of the opportunities that would be available to me would be freelance opportunities. And it wouldn't be a steady nine to five. And that really freaked me out because I've always been someone who's pretty, pretty goes by the book. I just, I always want to, um, Right. So I thought I always wanted to fulfill this identity of just a steady nine to five, like everyone else doing what I like to do. But I didn't want to put myself in a position to lose. And I started to feel like I wasn't going to succeed in what I was doing. So as graduation came around, I was starting to think about what I could do with my life. And I had a really great friend at the time say she was moving to Sydney, Australia. And she she said, would I like to, to come with her? And I just thought, yeah, I actually, I really don't know what I'm doing with my life. This seems like the perfect opportunity to escape the real world and figure it out in another country. So I went with her. I moved to Sydney, Australia, and I was there for a year. And I was lucky enough to find a job at a skincare company. They only had two products. And my job at the time was to find quote unquote influencers, really just bloggers at the time, and do outreach with them, some blog posts, and start planting the seeds of, of social media. And it was before it was this powerhouse that it is today, and it's so obvious to, to post on Instagram. It was, it was a little bit more organic and finding influencers who would fit in with the lifestyle brand, things like that. Um, hosting parties and just drawing attention to a really organic growing 
brand from the ground up. So I did that. I also landed an internship at GQ Australia and I thought that would be kind of my in into the magazine world. Really, really tough industry to get in. Those spots are coveted. Those names on the masthead are really coveted. Most magazines are in New York. I and I was I was really hungry to to get in wherever I could, but I thought this was this was kind of my stepping stone. So as my year came to a close in Australia, again, I started to get this feeling of panic, like I needed to get back to the real world. I needed to find a nine to five, not just two jobs. I, and I started to think about where I would want to be. I started reaching out to editors in New York and LA, seeing if there was any way I could find a connection at GQ and start my career elsewhere. It wasn't working out. The, the connections were just, it was too far apart. And I realized I would have to move somewhere and find something in the city I was in. So packed all my bags. I finally bought my one-way ticket back home. And I decided this would be my time to move to LA where, where I'd always envision my adult life starting my career. And I thought, that's this is when things are going to really get serious for me. So I moved to LA and I was scouring for magazine jobs. The closest thing I could find to that were PR fashion houses that I could see myself using as a stepping stone to eventually get to the magazine world. I want to pause here and just highlight something. I don't know if it was a mistake in my career, but I I think what I saw myself doing throughout my career when I couldn't exactly get where I wanted to be was kind of take easier options and hope that would pan out. So I ended up trying jobs in the fashion and beauty realm, not exactly in the magazine world, but closely related. If you aren't familiar with PR, it is a career where you are constantly working with editors, and I saw it as kind of a way I could possibly form some connections to get into magazines. So what I found was an opportunity at a fashion showroom. They had a ton of really incredible brands like NARS and Caudalie, and it was run by women which I thought was really cool at the time. It was it was basically no money. It was for $15 an hour and it was it basically entailed driving all over LA, <laughs> spending my own gas money working for essentially all these different brands within one fashion PR roof. So, a lot of different responsibilities. Fashion PR, it's a it's a, I'll say it's a little bit of a gnarly industry. It's, it's a lot of moving parts. You really have to be a hustler. You have to be doing, willing to do whatever it takes. And I mean, whatever it takes, really start from the bottom and work really, really hard. I had already had a bunch of internships in New York, basically shoveling freezing water out of basements, running all around New York, dropping off dresses to magazines, hopping on subways, getting lost. So I had experience in that realm, 
but this was my opportunity to actually get paid for it. And this would be my first real nine to five, which I just thought that is what I need to be doing. That's what everyone else is doing. And this is what I need to feel confident in myself. So I took this job for $15 an hour and I worked for this company for about a year. Now, I think the one thing that this job taught me, and you will learn something from every job you have, is that you cannot be afraid of the hard work, but at the same time, you should pay attention to, to little cues about your mental health. There is a point at this job where I was getting calls from my doctor because she had seen some test results that were kind of alarming. And I didn't know at the time I was about to be diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, which is Hashimoto's. And it is a thyroid autoimmune disease from an underactive thyroid. So I'd been feeling really fatigued, mood swings, weight was all over the place, and just overall not feeling good feeling like I was getting sick really easy, but I was just pushing myself anyway. I was essentially running myself to the ground. I didn't even want to answer this doctor's phone call. She'd been leaving me messages on messages, and I unfortunately just thought my health was second to everything that was going on at work, and I just thought all of the tasks tasks in front of me were so much more important than my health. So I finally got on the phone with the doctor. She asked, are you feeling okay? And I was just kind of like, no, you know, I'm not feeling that good. And she was like, we really need to get this in check. And I think at that point, I started to take my health more seriously. If you guys follow me on Instagram or YouTube, you know my health is now number one. It's my priority. And it hasn't always been that way. And it's taken some wake-up calls to get there. But it's something I really take seriously. And I hope you do have a job where it doesn't compromise your health. But not only was my physical health not the best my mental health just wasn't in a good place. I'll remember a few incidents, one where I had shipped a box of lipsticks out to a magazine and it had unfortunately not gotten there in the best pieces and I, I never heard the end of it at that job. So it was things like that, little mistakes that I felt really shamed for. And it unfortunately wasn't a supportive environment. There was another time where I wasn't able to get a, a dress back from a celebrity. And I just remember feeling like my whole world was falling apart because I couldn't get this dress back and it was really out of my control. So I remember talking to my best friend, Amanda, at the time, and she was just like, Tess, this job is is not your worth. Like you getting this dress back has no impact on 
your value as a human. And I think I really needed to hear that because I was so wrapped up in this world and I couldn't see that some things were out of my control. And at the end of the day, sometimes you just, you have to let them go and you can't allow that to determine how you feel about yourself. So I'd never really thought about this idea of having a higher purpose. I just had this vision for myself and I felt like I needed to fulfill it. But I didn't even I didn't even take pause to realize maybe this actually isn't making me happy. Maybe this vision I have mapped out for myself just isn't in line with what truly makes me happy. So I, I started to feel like I needed to leave this job. And I started to look for other opportunities. There was a magazine that came to the office regularly. And it was a really beautiful, glossy publication. And it was called The Hollywood Reporter. The Hollywood Reporter is a really established film magazine, very credible in the industry. And I just remember looking at it and thinking, this is the most, most unique, well-styled publication I've ever seen. It's always on the pulse of what's current in Hollywood, music, movies, film, what's what, who's who. And I just thought it was really incredible. So this is where I want to get into the art of the informational interview and, and finding, finding your dream job or whatever it is you want to work. So I think it can be really overwhelming, especially in our generation. We love to talk about our passion and our dream job. And I think if you haven't quite found it yet, which I would say most people really haven't, it's, it's something that is doable and it can start with really actionable steps. So if you're listening and you're trying to think about where your dream job is or what, what that even entails, I would say take out a piece of paper and start writing down the things that light you up. I wish I could tell myself, my former self at the time, it's okay if those things are skincare and helping people and talking to people and connecting with them and liking to see results over a period of time, like small things. Maybe for you, it's even cooking or a certain genre of Netflix or animals, like whatever it may be, grant yourself the permission to know those things aren't too small. So start with that if you're totally starting from ground zero. And then start to think about your dream companies. Put no limits on this. Just write down on a piece of paper the top five places. If you could literally work anywhere because you can, write down the top places you want to work. So I put Hollywood Reporter at the top of my list. And then I started to do some research and find the actual contacts for the people at those publications I wanted to work at. So I found a contact for this magazine. I reached out and I basically sent an email 
but I sent it with a lot of heart and I've always done this. And this is just, I think, true to my core and who I am. These, these companies, I'm sure they get reached out to a lot. And if you are going to reach out, you have to do it in a way that is unique and let them know why it is this company specifically that you want to work for. Because if it's just a copy and paste effort, I think it really has to do with setting your intention and putting that out in the universe. If you don't know where you want to go in life, there's no way you can make the steps to get there. So if you can clearly set your intention and put that out into the universe, I know it sounds kind of like woo-woo, but I really think people are receptive to that specific if that makes sense. So I let them know why that publication was such a standout to me. And I asked if I could just meet with them at their convenience. I didn't, I didn't mention wanting to have a specific job or that I was replying to a job posting. I just, to take the pressure off, I asked if there's any way I could meet with anyone from the team at any time at their convenience and just learn more. I think taking that pressure off um, the situation takes pressure off your employer and it takes the pressure off you. So I was fortunate enough to get a response and they asked if I could come in and meet the team. And I did. And I was really scared because this is somewhere I had idolized and thought would be such a dream to work there. And I was finally getting the opportunity. So I had to feel the fear, but do it anyway. And I sat down with probably five or six people. And these were people, I already knew them. I already knew their styles of writing. I knew who they were. I knew their reputations. And I was just like, whoa, I'm so out of my league. I'm so lucky to be here. And what I said in that interview was that if you take a chance on me, because I really was a bit of an underdog, I didn't have a ton of experience doing social media for a magazine, and that is the opportunity that was arising. Social media was growing. It was Magazines were slowly start to figure out that they could disseminate news onto these different content platforms. And they were starting to realize it could be a way to kind of save a lot of magazines that were really dying off. So social media was becoming more important to magazines. And I, I said, if you choose me, I will work hard every day that I'm here and I will be so happy to be here. And I left them with that and somehow it was enough and I got the opportunity to work for my dream magazine. And this was a truly incredible once-in-a-lifetime experience. And it was an experience that made this whole journey worth it. And it wasn't totally easy all the time. At one point, I was the only person in this department. And it was truly a lot of work. But it was an experience that I wouldn't trade for anything. So no, I wouldn't trade back all those years of working toward this goal. I wouldn't trade back the years working there to have more time doing what I'm doing now because it was just part of my story and it's made me who I am today. 
I learned so much about how to create meaningful content that tells a story, how to disseminate it on different platforms specifically. And I think it allowed me to see that I really love to share content and I really love to find those key elements that people connect with when you're sharing a story. So I got to go to some incredible film festivals, stand on some red carpets and see every A-list celebrity imaginable, sit in on some incredible interviews with really the industry's like top talent the top cream of the crop actors and actresses. I got to learn from their team, their makeup artists, their stylists. I got to hear from editors at the magazine and what influences them to make certain decisions. I got to understand the key elements of news and what really makes a story compelling. It was just truly one of the most incredible experiences of my lifetime. And I I probably didn't deserve it at the time, but I was really fortunate to, to have had that opportunity. And so no, I I wouldn't trade it for the world. And the one thing I will say with that job is that feeling so lucky to be there, I feel like A lot of times I did let fear get in the way of me fully vocalizing myself. And now I'm at the point where I'm someone who I'm not shy about sharing my voice and my story. And it's it's a place I've had to work to get. It wasn't always natural for me. I mean, I really didn't even want to ever raise my hand to talk when I was younger growing up in class. I was always had so much stage fright and was the shyest person. And at this job, I hadn't really realized my potential. And I always felt so lucky to be there that I put everyone else on a pedestal ahead of myself. And I would walk through the halls and feel like, I didn't deserve to be there as much as someone else. So if you are listening and you ever feel that way in a job, I want you to know you were chosen for a reason and you deserve to be there. So just know that what you have to offer is too good to waste on fear and self-doubt. So that was my, my one regret with that job. And as I as I continued at this magazine, I I started to become eventually a little bit unhappy. And I think a lot of it had to do with feeling like the only person in my department and that I couldn't carry the weight of it. So I started to think about if there would be somewhere where I could be on a team and just have more support. So luckily enough, that opportunity did come up and I got an opportunity to switch jobs. And that is when I went to E! News. And again, this was another really incredible opportunity. It was very different from Hollywood Reporter, which is, you know, it's been such a key part of the industry for for a longer period of time. And at E, I was surrounded by people more my own age. So I had just an incredible team where things felt more collaborative. I had people to bounce ideas off of, really smart, creative people. And I was basically responsible for 
finding trending topics in social media and pitching content ideas and writing and disseminating all of the social media content. So at E, what was really important was voice, establishing that voice that is so E, it's very witty, very young. And that was really, I think, the most important thing I took away from that job, how important it is to, if you are sharing on social media, be your authentic self, be so true to that brand that it is identifiable from any other any other outlet. So if you were sharing from the point of view of E, it's it has to be on brand with E. It can't sound like the New York Times because that just wouldn't be authentic. So if you are a brand or on social media, think about your key differences and know those are your strengths. So for me, I think my voice is really empowered by education and wanting to motivate and inspire. It's very rooted in wellness and authenticity. And I think what makes me separate is that I really want to motivate you to do you and follow your own path. So whatever may be unique to you, I really encourage that you follow that throughout your journey. And it will help you stand out. So I was at E! News and I think I was really enjoying the fact that I had this healthy work-life balance. But at the end of the day, I would clock out and it was a little less connected than previous jobs I'd had where it, it was more corporate and you really had that healthy boundary of going home and really not needing to check your email a ton. And that was kind of a new thing for me, whereas I was always working weekends and really attached to my phone, as that can kind of tend to be the nature of the business in news. But at E, we had so much support that I didn't need to be as connected to the phone when I was clocked out. So I know a lot of people love that. And I think I did for a certain time, but I started to think about the fact that when I went home, I just, I wasn't thinking about work and it wasn't pervading into my life where it was, you know, for, for positive or negative. And I started to think about this idea of a higher purpose and my highest good. And I started to think about my whole career trajectory and the fact that I really liked pop culture a lot. I really liked film and movies. And I had a a big interest in celebrity. And I had an interest in fashion. I really liked all these things. But they weren't necessarily a passion. And I started to think about why. And I think what's in my nature is And I think most people, I think your purpose is really driven by others. I think that really is the key to happiness. Not enough people talk about is a need innately for us to give back to people on some level. So that's why I so love these social media platforms and what I do, because it allows me to take something I am passionate about, but take it to an even higher level by sharing in it. I think 
sharing has a lot to do with elevating our happiness and feeling like you are affecting change. And I started to just think about this and kind of what I was lacking. So at the time, I ended up bumping into the beauty editor-in-chief at E! And we are from the same hometown. And we started talking about skincare. She knew I liked skincare a lot. It was actually what I was always most excited about on our site. I really was most interested in the celebrity styling and beauty. So she told me she had just gone to the spa back home, the Tata Harper Spa. And she said she'd had an incredible experience there. And she said I should really go check it out if I ever had the opportunity. And I thought, I've never had a facial. I I kind of always thought that was for people who either A, were really wealthy and can just, you know, indulge for the thrill of it, or B, people who had an acne problem and um, needed help with, with their skin. I was neither neither super wealthy nor really had an acne problem. I'd always had pretty nice skin and I was always interested in in skincare, but I thought it's never been bad enough where I need to get a facial, but I kind of started to think it would be nice to get a facial. It sounds like a nice thing. I think people my age are starting to do that, so maybe I should try it. I think I would like it. And it, funny enough, I'd always been that person in my family who people went to for beauty, even growing up. And it's funny because now estheticians don't look at drugstore products as things they recommend. But I think a lot of estheticians' interest in beauty really did start at the drugstore, especially a lot of us growing up. Aside from department store skincare, most people really shopped, at least for my generation, most of us really shopped for our skincare at the drugstore. And I used to beg my mom to take me. I would love picking out different different products and explaining why they were, they were incredible. Who knows where I was getting this knowledge? Like, nowhere credible. It was probably just on sale. But I really loved sharing in these products and making recommendations for my family members. I had this book from Bobby Brown on beauty and I had this book about natural skincare and I would read them with my sister in the bath in the bathroom we would formulate little DIY face masks which as a professional now I wouldn't recommend putting food grade product on your skin have to say that but it really was interesting to me as a young girl. I even experimented using lemon on my freckles. Again, do not recommend, do not try at home. But I had seen in my in my little book that this was kind of a natural peel. And I tried it on myself. I would do little massage movements on my sister's skin. And it was just always something I really loved. I love this whole act of cleansing and renewal. And I think possibly it was something I always kind of was meant to do, but didn't recognize as a viable job or career. So anyhow, I had this idea in my head. I was going to go get a facial. And this is where I'm going to end this first 
half of my story. I will pick it up in my next episode and segue into my first facial and how that really changed the course of my life. So I look forward to telling that whole story. I want to say thank you guys so much for listening, especially up to this point. I know this has been long-winded, so I really appreciate you hearing out my whole story. I hope bits and pieces are helpful or apply to you. And I would love to know how Lauren and I can bring you the most value possible. And we really seek to do that in our future episodes. So this is just my little foundation. I hope it was entertaining on some level, but I will end the podcast here. Thank you guys so much for listening. It would mean so much if you left us a review, rated us on iTunes, and just let us know what you think. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've been Tess and I will speak to you in the next episode.